Would you find your Bibles or smartphones or whatever it is you have handy? I'd love for you to find Luke chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11, Luke chapter 5, as we continue in our series for this month. I do want to give you a heads up for uh, beginning next week. It is a uh, sermon series called Prepare, and uh, it is about uh, preparing uh, for resurrections. We want to prepare for uh, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, it says prepare to fight, meaning fight the good fight. And uh, we want to also prepare for victory, knowing the, the cross, what Jesus Christ did for us, gave us the victory. So begins next week. It is also, uh, it is also understand, spring break. So, uh, you know, I always encourage you, if you're going to be uh, out of town, find your place of worship. But uh, you can also uh, tune in or uh, watch anytime live stream. But I encourage you to watch that first uh, sermon series, Seven Worship Services. Concluding with in April, we'll have uh, on Good Friday, have a Good Friday service with Lord's Supper and encourage you to come. One of those services, I know that our choir and uh, more than one of our choirs, I think are going to be involved in that. So you want to come bring others. It's a great time to invite others as well. We're continuing our sermon series focused this month on Who's Your One. It is the focus of our sermon series. You see the cards are laid here. We prayed for these cards, prayed for the people on the cards. Uh, this week and, and before as we continue to uh, remember those who are lost or those who are unchurched that we want every church member and all those who will be involved uh, to be praying and then also inviting and sharing uh, with those this year. So while there's the emphasis this month, uh, it continues to be an emphasis for our church. We want you to continue to carry a who's your one. And if you've not already had a card, you have opportunity at the uh, conclusion of our worship service during our a commitment time to be able to bring a card, and uh, some have brought them during the week, and that's okay as well. You have opportunity to do that. But today, we're in Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, and uh, this now is the Word of God. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing into him to hear the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night, took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish for the, that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. Well, speaking of boats, I've, I've actually bought two boats in my life. One of those I bought when I was uh, the summer before my sophomore year in college. Now, it must not have been a very smart thing because when fall came and it was time to buy books, I did not have money to buy books because I'd bought a boat during the summer. It took a couple of uh, paychecks and a few weeks finally to be able to buy the books. But isn't that what sophomore means? You still got lots to learn. I still did and do. I bought another boat just before we were married just before Kelly and I were married, Kelly says that was because so that I would not have to ask permission. I may not have thought it at that time, but uh, a couple of years later, we uh, moved away and uh, to go to school, and the boat 
that needed some work on it as, you know, what happens when you buy used, very used boats, uh, sat in a family member's backyard until finally an uncle of mine bought it, put a new motor on it. So, you know, two best day in a boater's life, boat owner's life. The day you buy a boat and the day you sell the boat. Yeah, yeah. Do uh, you know the two best days in a believer's life? Two best days in a believer's life are the day that you ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord and the day that you decide that you're going to turn everything over to Him and make Him Lord unconditionally of your life. Now, for some people, that's the same day for some of those who follow Jesus. After all, when we ask Christ to come in, He's not only to be our Savior, but He is to be our Lord. For many, those are different days. For some believers, it is that they've asked Christ. Jesus becomes genuinely the Savior of their life. But it's not until some time later in which Jesus becomes actually Lord of their life. And for many who are genuine believers in the Lord Jesus, the Lord, Lord Jesus never becomes Lord over everything. Consider that at least seven of the disciples were fishermen. And uh, lots that we can learn about fishermen. We've talked about some of that last week as well as we saw another incident in these disciples' life as well. But lots of qualities there for serving the Lord. Takes adventure, patience, determination, great deal of faith. They must work together, help one another, get the job done quickly and efficiently. Fishermen have always been a good example of evangelism and discipleship. And it is true here in this story as well. Today, I want to tell you a little bit different today. There is no punch list of three to five things of how to do this or how to accomplish that. Instead, these 11 verses that we've read may be a story that you know well. We're going to kind of float along a little bit through the passage or maybe motorboat through and see what it is that we might be able to uh, learn from the passage and learn from what's going from observations that we are looking at. Now, saying that, we're not taking this, these verses lightly at all. No, not at all, because as we look at them, we might discover that as we pay attention to what's taking place, we might let these verses may have a great impact and change or transform our way of serving Christ if we let it. Now, this may be the third meeting of at least three of these disciples, third meeting Jesus had with Andrew and Peter and John. And uh, James also is mentioned here. It's at least perhaps the second meeting that James has with them as well. You might remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about John the Baptist. There was Andrew and an unnamed disciple whom we think is John. That they went and they left John the Baptist and they followed Jesus. And then uh, Andrew goes and gets his brother Peter or Simon. Jesus changes his name. And then the one we talked even about last week. Jesus walks along the Sea of Galilee and sees these same four and say, Follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. And that was in Mark 1, and now we're in Luke 5. And as we look at Luke 5, this perhaps is a, even a different uh, experience that takes place. It's a, it's a third meeting, perhaps. Now, I understand this could be more details given to that other meeting about the Sea of Galilee. But I think there's enough different details that perhaps this is another meeting of these four men who were in business together, the JJSNA fishing business, that is James, John, Simon, and Andrew fishing company. But notice in this third meeting in verse 11, it says they left everything and they followed Jesus. Now Jesus was teaching often around the Sea of Galilee, and it's perhaps that these four would-be disciples or those who began to follow Jesus listened to Jesus as often as they can. And it may be they have even be sure now that they find themselves 
taking care of their nets and fishing and coming in while, while Jesus is teaching again. But after all, they couldn't be with Jesus all the time. They had a fishing business to run. They were all night fishing on this particular night when Jesus is teaching and they are listening while it says that they are mending their nets, cleaning their nets and being ready to go out again. And my goodness, there's lots we can learn right there about perhaps uh, uh, continuing to be tenacious in the things even when we are unsuccessful in our discipleship or in our soul winning or being fishers of men. Even when not successful, we need to continue on. But I want you to hold on to that observation because I want to give you even a bigger picture. Meanwhile, Jesus here is teaching again by the sea and people were crowding around to listen. Notice verse 1 in particularly what they were listening to or what they wanted to hear. It was the Word of God. Now, if someone says to you today that you're listening or somebody's uh, teaching the Word of God, what are they teaching? What are they listening to? They're listening to the Bible. And it may have been that Jesus was reading some or quoting passages from some from the Old Testament and teaching from the Old Testament. But we also understand because it was Jesus, everything that he said was the Word of God and that he was teaching the good news of the gospel. And then Jesus saw two boats left there by the fishermen. And he got into Simon's boat and asked Simon to put out a little from shore. Did you catch why he was in Simon's boat? Well, such a large crowd, they were coming in on him. He wanted to teach them and be able to step out a little bit. And water makes for an excellent sound uh, carrier. Any other reason he might have been in Simon's boat? And why Simon's boat in particular? You think it's by coincidence it just happened to be Simon's boat? This was no coincidence. What was Simon Peter doing before Jesus asked if he would row out just a little further from shore? He was washing his nets. Now, you're observing this passage. What is Simon doing now while he's in the boat with Jesus? Well, I'm sure he's texting other people, letting people know this, what's going on. One, day, one time I said from the pulpit, I said, Now, I can see you texting out there. You need to be listening instead. And, and uh, one of our uh, high school boys came and knocked on my door about two days later. And he said, Oh, I'm so sorry, Brother Jeff, that you saw me texting. I really didn't see him texting, but uh, he came and apologized for it. But no, he wasn't texting, was he? What, was he? what do you think he's doing in the boat? Well, he's listening to every word that is being said. And after this day, his life would never be the same. Can I tell you something today that if you will listen, if we'll pay attention to what God's Word says today, and if we'll listen intently to how the Holy Spirit's going to speak through His Word, after today, your life may never be the same again. Now, some of you are lake people, and you know what it is to be around the lake, of course, to watch what other people are doing. Sometimes you like to motorboat around the lake, perhaps, and uh, see what other people are driving around the lake. Or maybe if somebody's fishing and they're catching fish, you kind of wonder what kind of bait they might have. Or if you see them skiing or wakeboarding, you might watch to see how, how good they are. Well, uh, I want to invite you onto the Sea of Galilee today, Lake Gennesaret, as it is called here. I want to invite you to be in a motorboat, and I want you just to kind of observe through God's Word, all the things that are happening here today and see what the things that the Lord might want to speak to us and what observations we might incur. Here's the first observation. If you got your notes, I encourage you to follow along. Give Jesus permission to board your boat. Already from what we've seen, we want to give Jesus permission to board your boat. Now before we go further, I want to know if you've recognized the times that Jesus has asked to board your boat in the past and to go out with Him for a little ways. 
This is one way to look at salvation. Jesus has asked and He's asking today to come into your boat to allow Him to give you eternal life and to direct your life and give you abundant life. And I'm imploring you today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, or if you're not sure that Jesus is in your boat today, that before this hour is complete, that you will ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord, ask Him to forgive your, all of your sins. And today I'm going to share with you through this story how you can know for sure what it means to have Jesus as Savior and as Lord of your life. Also, Jesus has probably asked to come into your boat and to enter in different seasons or circumstances of your life. Maybe there are different parts of your life and some that you've not given over to Him yet for one reason or another. It could be your your work or your school life or your career. It could be your family or a relationship. It could be a hobby or even your church life that you've not given Jesus permission to board because you're afraid of what Jesus might ask you to do or maybe He would not approve maybe of what you're doing now and He would want some changes. I want you to know that Jesus wants the very best for you. We're only hurting ourselves when we do not give Jesus permission And we need to sometimes, like Simon Peter here, to be an audience of one with the Lord in every season of life and every part of your life. So ask yourself this morning, what kind of permission do you need to give? Do you need to give permission for the Lord to enter into your heart, into your life, into your boat for salvation? If you do, then as we've talked about today, then you want to give permission for Jesus to save you today and ask Him to come in? Do you need to give Jesus permission on some other area of your life that you've yet to turn over to Him? For you can be a believer in the Lord Jesus and still have not turned every, every, every area of your life over to Him. Or is it discipleship that you need to turn over to Him? The word disciple means uh, teach or to learn. And so we want to con- we're continual learners, continuing to grow in our faith. And notice the term ship there kind of maybe in quotations just so that uh, I might put them in quotations so that you just might understand as we talk about Jesus getting into our boat. Now here's what I encourage you to do. If you're writing notes or maybe if you've written all three down already, maybe you want to circle one. Which one of these, without saying that you've already given Jesus permission, but if there's one of these that you know that you need to give permission to Jesus, would you circle that or write that down? Or if you're not writing, just... Uh, Make a mental note of that. But watch this. As we look at the story, Jesus needs your permission because crowds of people need to hear the Word of God. And He wants to use your little boat to do it. Jesus sat down in Simon's boat and began to teach the Word of God and share the good news. Now, He is the Lord Almighty, and He could have used any boat. Notice that there were two boats. Most speculate that the other was James and John, used later in the passage. But here's the thing. The Lord wants to use you and He wants to use your boat. Peter knew this was Jesus, the promised one, the Messiah. He calls Jesus Master here and then he calls Him Lord. This may have been the third encounter, but he's not quite grasped the significance of all that's taken place, not till the end of the story. Neither have we, perhaps, because if we had, we would not hesitate to give all that we have, all that we are, to ask Jesus to enter into our life so that we might be able to share the Word of God and the love of God even more. You, you've probably heard this comparison in, or this uh, illustration perhaps maybe in Sunday school or somewhere. You know, what, if, what would you do if, uh, if the Queen of England uh, wanted to come to your house? Would you let her come to your house? And you clean up and be ready for that? Well, would you give the Queen of England a ride on your boat? 
Well, you probably would. And I thought of another. I'm not sure. Maybe it has to do with the fact that they like to hunt and fish and those sorts of things. But do you remember... You remember uh, Duck Dynasty and the Duck Commander Willie Robertson, Uncle Si and Daddy Phil and all of those. Now, they want to film an episode and they want to do it in your boat. Well, you going to let them come to your boat? You better believe you're going to let them come to your boat. Uh, and uh, you probably would find somebody to soup up your engine and uh, perhaps put camouflage around it, whatever was needed. Uh, but understand... Uh, whether it's the Queen of England or whether it is these uh, TV reality stars who have become a lot of stars. Uh, regardless, there's no comparison to Jesus, the Almighty God and Savior, and a privilege we have of joining in the work that and He could have used any other boat. He could have stayed on shore. But here's the fact, Jack. Jesus wants to use your boat to be able to share the Word of God. Jesus wants you to tell others about His love and the good news of the gospel. And all Simon Peter had to do was to let Jesus in and row out just a little from shore. Which tells us the Lord can do a lot with a little. The Lord can do a lot with a little bit of faith. When you begin to be obedient and follow Him. Somebody said this about, uh, about preachers, and I wrote it down and it's there in your notes Somebody said, every pulpit is a fishing boat, a place to give out the Word of God and attempt to catch fish. I want to change it just a little bit. Every Christian life is a fishing boat, a place to give out the Word of God and attempt to catch fish. Now, okay, everybody all right? I don't want anybody to fall asleep here. No, I don't, and try not to leave. Listen, hold it if you can, because if y'all you've listened to so far, you may think this following Jesus it's fairly easy. All we've got to do is roll out a little bit. But there's a, there's a warning uh, coming out here for you in just a minute. I actually had a church member say to me, Oh, I just love our church. I can come to church every Sunday and nobody ever asks me to do a thing. I thought, come on now. You've, you've not paid attention. You're, you're, not, you're not listening. By the way, everybody okay in their boat so far? Can you see okay? And how's the wind getting hot? What do you, what do you see next in your boat? Jesus is through teaching, isn't he? And he turns to Simon, and he and Jesus are in the same boat. Simon Peter's probably feeling pretty good at this point. I mean, Mike, watch him. He's grinning ear to ear. Jesus used his boat to share the wonderful news of salvation, the Word of God, and he was a part of it. Now, you remember that water's a good, excellent sound carrier, don't you? Did you overhear what Jesus said to Peter? It's in verse 4. Uh, Peter... I need you put out into the deep water. Now here's a warning. Jesus will ask you to take your boat into deeper waters. Yes, you need to give Jesus permission to enter your boat. Without Jesus, we're dead and our trespasses and sin. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we are dead sinners without Jesus, but with Jesus, we are living saints. And yes, Jesus can do a lot with a little bit of faith and obedience. He'll help us to grow. He'll increase our faith. And uh, he'll make us stronger believers. But let there be no doubt. Jesus will ask you to move into deeper waters and it will require greater faith and even more obedience. And as sure as I'm sitting here today, it probably has happened in your life and it will happen again. Let me encourage you to do this if you've got your notes today. Let me encourage you right above the word where it says warning. I want you to just draw a line there, if you would, for sake of illustration. And the reason I want you to do that because a lot of people, when they come to the point to where Jesus says, I want you to go out a little bit deeper. I want, you to, I want you to show a little bit more faith. I've got something for you to do that's going to require even more obedience. 
A lot of people do not go below this line. And I think today, because you're here today, you're going to have to decide whether you're going to live above the line or below the line. Now, if you live above the line, well, you're going to be in good company. A lot of folks or a lot of genuine believers are living above that line. You'll still have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Jesus will be in your heart, but it might be a little bit crowded because there are going to be a lot of other things that are in your heart. You'll still know that you have an eternal home in heaven if you're a genuine born-again believer, but you miss out on the possibilities and the blessings. And, and when I say that, I don't just mean good things that could happen to you, that you'll be blessed physically or healthy or all those sorts of things. I don't mean that at all because the Lord has not promised that or even the ventures that you could have. But you'll miss out on the life that truly honors God and becomes an influence and a blessing to others. Because if you want to talk truly about being blessed, it's not about what we can get, uh, but it's about how much we can show love to God and how much we can help others. So you can decide on which side of the line that you're going to live. You may not verbally say, no, I'm not going to follow God. I'm not going to do that. But by your actions, you say no, because faith is not a feeling. Faith in God is demonstrated by obedience to Him and love for Him and for others. Jesus then, we're listening, we're on the boat, we're listening to the Sea of Galilee. Then what does Jesus say? Let down your nets for a catch. Simon's obedience lets us know what could be the results if we will be obedient to him, if we obey Jesus. Peter took the next step of faith, which was one of many he would take as a disciple. Notice what he said in verse 5. Master, we've toiled hard all night. We hadn't caught anything. Actually, we read from the ESV it says, we took nothing, which I'm assuming is a proper way of saying English because it's in the Bible. I always figure that it must be proper. And then it's got, there, there was no, uh, uh, there was no uh, periods, exclamation points, of course, in the original language. But in the ESV, there's an exclamation point. Sometimes you'll find a period. I wonder if there should be an ellipsis there. You know, those little three dots that bring a pause. I have no doubt, perhaps, that when... Peter said this, that we've, we've, we've took nothing. We've toiled all night. We've took nothing. That there was a pregnant pause that took place. How, how tragic are those who hear the call to take the next step of faith but never respond. But imagine just in these few moments, uh, Peter's skepticism. Uh, what do carpenters know about fishing? Everybody on the Sea of Galilee knows if you're going to do net fishing that you're going to catch more fish at night in the shallows, not during the day out in the deep. Everybody knows that. All of the experience and expertise was contrary to what Jesus said do. This is one of those defining moments in Peter's life when he stepped over that line. Casting that net might seem like something insignificant in the scheme of things, but this was big in Peter's life. And if you're reading, if you happen to have the King James Bible open, it says, Nevertheless, at your word... I will. Now you might want to write that word down somewhere, nevertheless. ESV we read, but at your word, because you say, so I will do as you say. No matter what the world has to say, nevertheless, I will. No matter what others do, nevertheless, no matter how I feel about it, nevertheless, I will do as you say, Lord, I will do as your word says. No greater words of faith perhaps were ever spoken. When he saw the amount of fish so much that the nets were breaking and the boats were sinking. Now that's a fishing story. We caught so many fish, the boat sank. Now two boats, they didn't. They said they were about to sink. But verse 8 says, 
When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. It reminds us of the prophet Isaiah when he realized he was in the presence of Almighty God. Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and I have seen the King, the Almighty, the Lord Almighty. When we encounter the living Lord by faithful obedience, we're overwhelmed with our own sinfulness compared to the greatness of God. The miracle of the catch of fish so humbled Peter that he thought he was not worthy to be in Jesus' presence, and he wasn't, nor are we. But the love of Jesus and the cross of Christ makes it possible. This is the thing about going out of the deep or staying near shore. When you're near shore, it's easy to get out of the boat and either wade or swim to shore. But when you're out in the deep, boy, you must trust the one who's the captain of the boat. You've got to trust Christ. Rely on Him. Stay in it. And that's where He wants us. Am I being too vague? Is this unclear? What will be the result if you follow Jesus? A humble heart. Peter was humbled. Got a little uh, phrase here I wrote down. Somebody said, if success humbles you, then failure will build you up. If success puffs you up, then failure will destroy you. Simon Peter was humbled at the successful attempt, and he knew it was not because of him. Same God who saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and Daniel in the lion's den, is the same God who brought all the fish, the huge number of fish in the nets for his purposes. Whatever success you have in life, physical or spiritual, give God the credit he deserves, and obedience to God will lead to a humble heart, which is a contrite heart willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads. An unrepentant, hard heart will not follow God. But Simon wasn't alone in the venture, was he? Somebody else is in the boat. Did you notice? Look at verses 6 and 7. Notice how many times it says, they are there. When they had done so, their nets began to break. Who, likely it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. What happened? They called over the other, their partners. Verse 10 tells us it was James and John. And they came over to help. Both boats were filled and began to sink. Verse 9 says that they were astonished. Wait. Let us be sure that we understand that word. I, I don't know if that's an understatement or maybe we just don't catch the significance of that word, astonished. Some translations say that they were amazed. Some say that they were awestruck or in awe. Uh, I don't use this phrase very often, but only when it pertains to God. It's okay if you do. I'm just saying this is what I do. But here, in this case, it was awesome. In the form of this word, in the original language, comes from a word that means unable to move. Now we're catching the significance of how they felt. But that's not all who watched. There's Peter in the boat, Andrew must, because it says they, and then there was James and John came over to help. But that's not all who watched this. How about the crowds that Jesus taught? Did they, were they watching? Well, maybe. Luke doesn't actually tell us if they were watching or not. But somebody else is watching. Who is it? Go, take a look. Do you see? It's you and me. Remember, we got into the boat just a few minutes ago. We're watching what's taking place. And as we're watching via the Word of God, Watching and seeing and even listening to what's taking place. Also, we are astounded and we see all that's taking place and we want to pay attention. And the Holy Spirit's touching our hearts so that we say, wow, this is awesome. This is, all, this is of God. I want to be a part of it. I want to follow like Simon. 
And I want to see Jesus do amazing things. Simon Peter, maybe Andrew and other companions, James and John and you and me, were all affected because Simon Peter decided to let Jesus in his boat and go deeper. So what could be the result? Humble heart, also an intentional influence. Kind of, kind of alliteration thing going on, intentional influence on others. Other people will be affected by your deeper faith and obedience, and it will be intentional. The first and foremost reason that you want to follow Jesus is because He loves you. We love God because He first loved us. But also we want to follow Jesus so that we might have influence over the, your family and your extended family and the people that you love, people in the church, people in the community, people that you've not met yet, people in Ukraine and Russia, all over the world. But that's not going to happen unless we're ready to be able to follow the Lord and have influence on the Lord. Think about the people that you love most. Do you want to give them the best this world has to offer? Not anymore. You want to give them the best heaven has to offer. But that was not all the results of people who follow Jesus closely who take their boat into the deep. What did Jesus say to Simon Peter in verse 10? He said, don't be afraid. Afraid, well, that's what the word astonished means. Simon Peter then said, go away from the Lord. I'm a sinner. Then what did Jesus say? This might be a little bit of a paraphrase. You ain't seen nothing yet. He said, from now on, you will catch men. Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, we find Peter standing up and preaching to the people. 3,000 were saved. Acts chapter 3, Peter helped to heal a man who was lame through the power of God. And the crowd gathered. 2,000 more were saved. Did Jesus' prophecy come true? What's the result? Save souls. What could be the result? Humble heart, intentional influence. Save souls. More people coming to know Jesus if we follow Jesus and grow in our faith. That's true. Most of us are not. Peter or Paul and the disciples, we may not see thousands come to know Jesus as a result of our obedience. And not every lost person that we know will be saved. But some will. I'm also convinced some will not be saved if we are not following Jesus closely and find ourselves obedient to Him. It's our mission as a church. It's our mission as followers of Jesus. We're called to be fishers of men and women and boys and girls. We, we followed Simon and Jesus and others into the deep waters. Did, you, did anybody feel a need to put their life jacket on? Where do we find Simon's boat now in verse 11? We're watching. He's back on shore. And what do they do? James and John and Simon and Andrew, they left everything and followed Jesus. Obedience to Jesus will land your boat on shore. Every one of us will be asked to give up our boat and to follow Jesus. Let's make sure we understand what our boat represents. It's your heart and your life. And for you to follow Jesus, your plans will be put aside. Your desires, your dreams, you will gladly give over to Jesus. My life and yours is to be a blank page to be able to say, Jesus, right on. Right on our hearts, your plans, whatever it is that you want us to do. Speaking of the lake, there was a businessman who lived at the lake. And he noticed that there was a gentleman kind of dressed humbly, uh, fished every day on the shore not too far from where he lived. And he noticed he always had a pretty big catch of fish. One day he struck up a conversation with him and, and actually they kind of became friends and talked many times. And then one day the businessman said to the humble fisherman, 
he said, uh, he painted for him the idea. He said, why don't we go into the fishing business together? He said, I'll bankroll. I'll buy you a boat. He said, uh, you go out and catch the fish. If you catch enough fish, uh, we'll get a fleet of fish. And we'll put them on many different lakes. And you'll have a whole fleet of fish, whole fleet of boats, and lots of fish to sell if we continue to be successful. It won't be too long, I believe. I'm a businessman. It won't be too long before you can retire and do whatever it is that you want to do. And the fisherman said, you mean I'll be able to do whatever I want to do? The business said, anything that you want to do. And the fisherman said, you mean like come out here to the lake every day and fish by myself? Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, all they knew was fishing. They were young men whose dreams had come true for they had their own businesses on their own boats. Come on, men, some of you can relate. It's what you dream about fishing on the weekend or maybe after you retire. Or maybe there's some other dream that you have that you'd like to do. Or ladies, some that you'd like to do. Or students or boys and girls. Here are the things I really, really want to do. But if you follow Jesus, He's going to ask you to give it all up. And you're going to gladly be able to give it all up so that you might be able to follow Him to make your life better, not necessarily easier. This life is not for the faint of heart, but for those who want to grow in their faith. We give up our heart's desire in life for Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote in Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. But when you give it all up, he may give it all back to you. He may be able to fish for the glory of God. He may want you to play golf. To, he may want you to travel. He may want you to, to uh, be able to uh, work the job that you always wanted to work, all for His glory. But here's where the trust factor comes in. You must trust that He wants the best for you and the trust that He wants to use you and grow you to be more like Jesus. My greatest fear this morning is that my words are inadequate to convince you that this is necessary. This is biblical. This is what Jesus asked of each one of us. Are you ready to have one of the best days of your life? Well, give your heart and life over to Jesus. Make Jesus the Savior and Lord of your life. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart. Or, as a believer in the Lord Jesus, give it all over to Him. Make Him Lord of everything. And follow Him wherever He leads. To remember, it's your boat is your heart and your life. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we thank you for your presence in this very place. We thank you for the worship that has been brought, the reading of your word. We continue to pray for those all over the world tonight, today. And Father, we pray for those right here in this room. We pray, Father, that we may be ready to give our life over to you for salvation. Father, if there's someone here listening today, somebody that's here present today that doesn't know He's Lord and Savior, we pray that that may be the case. Father, we pray that we'll be ready to turn everything over to You. Parts of our life that we have not turned over to You are discipleship, that we may be ready to learn, to be taught, become more and more like Jesus, so that Your name might be exalted, and so that more people might be able to hear the good news. Father, continue to be at work in this time. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.